Welcome to Paid in Puke, a podcast where three women with names discuss movies about something other than a man. Paid in Puke is hosted by Annie Malone, Christina Barr, and Jessica Baxter. It's also a spoiler-filled free-for-all. You've been warned. On today's episode of Paid in Puke, we're carrying a watermelon for Emil Argelino's <laughs> 1987 classic drama, Dirty Dancing. Written by Eleanor Bergstein and starring Jennifer Grey, Cynthia Rhodes, and Jane Brucker. The heat is in the music. The music sets you dancing. The dancing sets her free. Best Wrong Pictures presents Dirty Dancing. She thought it would be just another summer vacation. Who's that? Oh, them. They're the dance people. But it turns out to be the time of her life. Watch me now! I can't even do the merengue. He teaches her what she can do. I'm not sure who you are, but I don't want you to have anything to do with those people again. Baby, I don't see you running up to daddy telling him I'm your guy. Well, with my father, it's complicated. I will tell him. I I don't believe you, baby. She shows him all he can be. You gotta stop it now. I know what I'm doing, Penny. I'm scared of everything. Most of all, I'm scared of walking out of this room and never feeling the rest of my whole life the way I feel when I'm with you. What they learn from each other feels too good to be wrong. Starring Patrick Swayze, Jennifer Grey, and Cynthia Rhodes. Get ready for the time of your life. Dirty Dancing tells the story of Frances Baby Houseman, (laughs) a young woman on her last childhood vacation with her family before venturing off on her own. Conflict arises when Baby becomes entangled with the marginalized entertainment staff of the Catskills Resort. Oh, and it's summer 1963, by the way. <laughs> That's important. I mean, I'm sure you all have seen this movie before, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Wait, what year did this movie come out? 1987. Okay. This was like the number one slumber party movie of 1987. Yes. Oh. Yeah, I watched it at slumber parties. Yeah. <laughs> I remember having somebody try to explain what was going on. Like with the pregnancy, the yeah, the procedure, yeah, yeah. That's a great question out the gate. Like, did any of you understand what was happening I mean, the first time? I was fifteen. Okay, when I saw this, and yes, actually, it's a funny memory for me because I saw it in the theater with my dad. I don't remember who else, but I very vividly remember when baby is asking her dad for money, and he says it's not anything illegal, is it? And my dad, like in the loudest whisper to me, is like, "In those days, it was." <laughs> <laughs> no, Dad! 
I definitely knew. I knew even before my dad did that elaborate stage whisper, but... I remember, like, my friend Shara, we were at a slumber party watching it. She's, like, 10, and she's trying to explain this to me, and she's like, okay, so this guy did it with her. (laughs) (laughs) And it was like... (laughs) Did it with her. Yeah. Did it. (laughs) I'll bring that back. That's what I remember having her explain Dirty Dancing to me. So I just did the math and I realized I was like nine years old. I totally thought I was, I was thinking like I was my daughter's age. She's 11, but I was even younger. So no wonder I didn't know what the fuck was going on. (laughs) But I knew I loved it. Yeah. (laughs) I was very conflicted even then by some of the like, almost embarrassing tonal swings. Oh my gosh, this movie is so chaotic. fighting so hard, baby. I don't see you running up to daddy telling him I'm your guy. I will. With my father, it's complicated. I will tell him I... I don't believe you, baby. I don't think that you ever had any intention of telling him. Ever. They've been, like, dating for two days or something, and he's like, what are you going to tell your dad about me? Like, Jesus, Johnny. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, are we getting married, or what the fuck? Like, I think it's pretty clear at the end. They have a conversation that's like, this is a fling, and it was really great for both of us. I'll never be sorry. Neither will I. But it's like so weird how up until that moment, he's so much like, you're ashamed of me. She's like, you hooked up a couple times. What are you talking about? He's such a strange time to go tell daddy. Oh, I know. And he's just so like, these women wouldn't be treating me like this. They they didn't like me. You got to understand what it's like, baby. You come from the streets and suddenly you're up here and these women are throwing themselves at you and they smell so good. And they really take care of themselves. I mean... I never knew women could be like that, you know? And they're so rich, they're so goddamn rich, you think they must know about everything. And they're slipping the room keys in my hands two and three times a day, different women. And so here I think I'm scoring big, right? And for a while you think, hey, they wouldn't be doing this if they didn't care about me, right? That's, that's all right, I understand. You were just using them, that's all. No, no, that's not it. That's the thing, baby. See, it, it wasn't like that. They were using me. And it was just like, oh my god, are you serious? You're like 35. Yeah. Come on. Why is this important to you? He's like, he's just like, they used me though. Right. But when she says, so you're using them, and he's like, no, they used me. But before that, he says something like, they wouldn't be doing this if they didn't care about me. Yeah, (laughs) that's a weird read. Come on. So you're using them. It's so. Huh. Is it possible you're not particularly self-actualized, Joey? Yeah, I, <laughs> I guess he's supposed to be like early twenties. I think he's supposed to be yeah. Yeah. Oh, uh, he's always just been so much older, seeming to me. Well, he is. She was like twenty-seven, and he was thirty-five. She was twenty-seven. Yeah. Oh my god. But she's playing like nineteen, and he's playing wow. like twenty-two. <laughs> <laughs> It well, is no real teenagers really... in 1987. <laughs> I know. Yeah. I mean, I would never have known 
she was that old, but that's weird. <laughs> yeah. It's a 27-year-old. It's an 18-year-old. It is very strange. I don't know. I don't know what that trend was about. It was really... Yeah. And it was, like, right off yeah. the heels of them playing... Like, they already kind of... I don't know if you all knew about their animosity, kind of <laughs> Jennifer Grey and Patterson. Not animosity exactly, but they just kind of had a tempestuous relationship. Like, they oh. didn't always get along. I can totally imagine it, because I think Patrick Swayze was actually pretty intense. Like, in IRL, I think he was a lot like that character. And there's, like, a lot of things that were them just actually rehearsing and then made it into the movie. Like, the tickling, arm tickling scene was, like, them rehearsing the dance move and she was really being tickled and he was really annoyed with her for, like, not being able to get through it. Like, that was all real. So that's kind of what's going on with them. But she kind of really hated him when they were on the set of Red Dawn. They met when they did Red Dawn together. And again, they were like adults playing children in Red Dawn. (laughs) Oh my god, I have never seen that. Isn't that about like... It's dumb. It's super dumb. I think it's only memorable because it was the first PG-13 movie. And then also that it's like a lot of up-and-coming... It stars a lot of up-and-comers of the 80s. But it's like a small town that gets taken over by Russians. Oh great, yeah. It's up to the kids to fight them. So much Red Scare from in the 80s. For real. And uh, who else is it? Um, I want to say like Rob Lowe. I don't know. There's like a lot of people who later became extremely famous. Basically like everyone from the Outsiders was also in Red Dog. Yes. (laughs) Anyways. Shut up. Hot Probs is on. Oh shit, yeah. Definitely like the inconsistent tone and Johnny just being like so extra. Right. So cringe. With the lip syncing. (laughs) When did... Penny find out she was pregnant because it's like very abrupt. She's like hanging out dancing and then like that next thing it's like she's crying in the kitchen. It's sort of like an out of nowhere development. I feel like what she was crying about was like she maybe already knew she was pregnant and she hadn't told Robbie it. Oh. And then she just told him and he reacted badly. And that was kind of what my interpretation of that was. It's like she just told him because she's kind of talking about how shitty he is. Mm, okay. In the kitchen. Yeah, that guy sucks. <laughs> yeah, that guy does suck. That guy, I think he looked up, he died of a heroin overdose in real life. Oh, what? He was 32. Wow. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, just the tone and then, I feel like the whole setup is kind of clunky. Like, the whole, like, setup of, okay, she has to have the abortion on this day, and on that day, they have to have a dance, and there's mm. nobody else that can do it, and they can't not do it, or they're fired forever, Yeah, you know, and nobody else can do it except that, you know, it's just, it's kind of a clunky I know, setup. like, why can't literally any of the other dancers at the place do it? Yeah. Experienced dancers. I can only get her an appointment for Thursday. They do their act at the shell break on Thursday night. If they cancel... They lose this season's salary, next year's gig. Can't someone else fill in? No, Miss Fix-It, somebody else can't fill in. Maria has to work all day, she can't learn the routines, and Jenna has to fill in for Penny. Everybody works here. What, do you want to do it? Wanna take time out from Simon Says? It's not a bad idea. It was a joke, Billy. She can't move. No, it's the dumbest idea I ever heard of. I can't even do the merengue. Johnny, you're a strong partner. You can lead anybody. But you heard her. She she can't even do the merengue. She can't do it. She cannot do it. I mean, it just feels like an overly complicated setup to do a dance on Thursday night at this other place. It's a little bit overly convoluted, I would think. 
Yeah. <laughs> I know. And like, yeah, that's true. Like, so many other dancers are on hand, yeah. it seems like. Right. And that's kind of crazy. It does seem that way. Like, maybe some of those people at the the dirty dancing parties are, like, oh, right. other yeah. staff, like, just cooks and cleaners and that sort of thing. All the invisible staff. But, like, I definitely originally thought this is, like, the dance crew. The entertain- this is all the entertainment right. staff, but... Maybe not. Maybe there aren't that many dancers. Oh, no, but then there's, I don't know, then there's all those people at the end that, like, joined him in that ridiculous (laughs) kind of thriller dance down the aisle. Right. I mean, even if they're not there as professional dancers, like, they all can dance more than baby can. Yeah. They don't need, like, an intense training montage. (laughs) Right. Or they could. It has to be Thursday, and, like, the stakes are so strangely high for like no if we miss it we lose our whole summer's wages and we're fired from it for next year or something like that yeah really (laughs) that's that's an odd policy you know yeah and then nobody else can do it but uh i guess baby can yeah that is very confusing and I don't know why it has to be the sketchy guy <laughs> who's coming through town. Right. I mean, I guess it is pretty hard to get an abortion, even but it's technically legal. So yeah. even then, maybe it was... Right. Maybe that that's part I don't question but. as much. I mean, that is also like, wow, what a... An unfortunate series of coincidences. Yeah, that's true. I know. One of my fun facts is that the script was based on Eleanor Bergstein's, like, a real event from her life, I guess. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I think I read that, too. Like, she was New York families going to, like... Oh, maybe not the event. So here's the factoid here. From an interview in 2008, she said that Baby and Johnny were both influenced by her. Actually, I guess they were both her. She came from a liberal Jewish family who vacationed in the Catskills, and her father was a doctor, and she was nicknamed Baby. And it says, like Johnny Castle, Bergstein was a skilled, dirty dancer who learned <laughs> at house parties and later became an Arthur Murray instructor. Yeah, that's Johnny's dream is to study with Arthur Murray. Okay, so back to Hot Probs, like, sometimes he has an accent and sometimes he doesn't. Yeah. Apparently his character is supposed to be Italian originally. What? Okay. <laughs> it's very noticeable when he's like, sometimes I'm so extra working class and other times I sound just like Patrick Swayze. <laughs> Johnny's just so stupid, like... <laughs> when Dr. Husband asks who's responsible for this girl and he says, I am... Who's responsible for this girl? I am. Like, how did he not know what he meant? Right. And how it was going to be taken? But, like, misunderstanding is so annoying. Right. <laughs> At the end, when he leaves, like, first of all, it's like, supposedly this is, like, her first love, and she, like, does not seem very sad. Like, for a teenager saying goodbye to, like, their first love, she does not seem, like, very sad about it. She's yet. pretty chill about it. Yeah. And especially uh, coming after that, like, scene in his loft when she's like, I'm scared of walking around in this room. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> of everything. I'm scared of what I saw. I'm scared of what I did, of who I am. And most of all, I'm scared of walking out of this room and never feeling the rest of my whole life the way I feel when I'm with you. Just for like a teenager to be going through any kind of breakup and being that chill seems like not real. But also, but like, where did he go? Like he left and then comes back. Like where was he going. Yeah. I don't know. Like, I'm, I'm just off. Goodbye. <laughs> I lost my job, so I have to leave town. Yes. <laughs> like, his very goofy speech when he comes back, mm-hmm. like, with the record. Like, I'm looking so and I watch it, like, all these people are like, what the fuck? Sorry about the disruption, folks. But I always do the last dance of the season. But this year, somebody told me not to. 
So I'm going to do my kind of dancing with a great partner who's not only a terrific dancer, but somebody who's taught me that there are people willing to stand up for other people no matter what it costs them. Somebody who's taught me about the kind of person I want to be. Miss Frances Houseman. Did I get this every summer? <laughs> <laughs> I really love that. What's her sister's name? Lisa. 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 I love that I when love he her. interrupts, like she's the last one to notice. She's still singing. She's so funny. She apparently wrote the lyrics to that ridiculous song by herself. And you can walk on all you want, and you can walk on while I walk away. It's set to like some tune that existed already, but oh, okay. she makes up it. But she's in like a totally different movie than everybody else. There's several people who are in different movies. Yeah. <laughs> Jennifer Grey and Jerry Orbach are in the same movie, and then a lot of other people are in completely different. My least favorite movie anyone is in is Neil. I hate oh. that guy. And <laughs> Neil I hate is so annoying. All his line readings, I hate everything he says in this movie. Maybe my parents are looking for me. Baby, don't worry. If they think you're with me, they'll be the happiest parents of Kellerman's. I have to say it. I'm known as the catch of the county. I'm sure you are. But last week, I took a girl away from Jamie, the lifeguard. Mm -hmm. And he said to her right in front of me, what does he have that I don't have? And she said, two hotels. <laughs> well, it's very effective. He's so hateable, and I think we're supposed to hate him. Oh, yeah, you're clearly supposed to hate him, but like. But he's yeah. just insufferable. Like, right, like hate. to the point where it's like, it's not believable. You know what yeah. I mean? He's such a caricature, and the yeah. way he plays it is so. <laughs> That's true. Oh, yeah. Sometimes you see things that you don't want to see. Sometimes in this world, you see things. You don't want to see. Or he like says see. something about it, like some lucky girl caught him, or he picked a girl. I mean, it's just like this. Come on, this should be the subtext, not the actual. Text. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're right. I just have seen this movie so many times, and I love this movie. But the '80s music in mm. a '60s. And the hair is very 80s hair in the movie too yeah and i just yeah. i'm like no things didn't look like that then i mean i feel like music has didn't... 60s hair yeah. yeah baby has 80s hair i would say and, yeah and what's her name the one who's pregnant oh right penny, penny. Yeah. her hair is very 80s oh right yeah she probably looks the least that's true her 60s. bangs are like right. so 80s <laughs> yeah the music is hard because half the soundtrack is Really great pop songs from that era. And 
And the other half is like the cheesiest fucking 80s oh, music of all time. Yeah. Like not good songs. Am I just fooling myself? That she'll stop the pain. Living without her, I go insane. Yeah. Like I have nostalgia for them big time. Yeah. But they are bad songs. Like I will yeah. never argue that they're well written in any way. <laughs> right. but I, like looking back, I'm wondering like if they had gone with totally purist '60s everything, like would I have connected with that movie so much? Like as a kid, or I definitely would have because I even then thought the songs were yeah. really lame. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, I remember yeah. Baby's shoes are really anachronistic. At one point, she's wearing like these very '80s kids or something. Oh like, right, like, yeah, because yeah. the there's lots of shots of feet. Yeah. Tons and tons. And a lot of the shoes are pretty period, but those are, I was just like, those are not. Maybe I'm wrong, but they just seemed so 80s to me. I do really like the tone, though. I feel like, I mean, the tone of the political aspect of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the, the I mean, socioeconomic politics are pretty on point and pretty radical for that period. Yeah. I mean, I feel like a lot of baby stuff is very, like, modern, like, white feminism, kind of white savior. Yeah. And then she yes. gets, like, called out for that. Yes. Which is great. And I feel like one of the themes of the movie is you can't change the system, but you should still try. You know, it's oh, yeah. just kind of cool. That is cool. Yeah. I don't like the, like, slut-shaming undertones, though. I feel like they're saying, like, it's okay that that happened to Penny, but, you know, it's not her fault. But then she has that scene where she tells Baby, like, I just wanted you to know that I don't sleep around. Look, I just want you to know that I don't sleep around. Whatever Robbie might have told you. And I thought that he loved me. I thought it was something special. Anyway, I just wanted you to know. Right. And yeah. I'm like, why do you... Oh, like, I, I hate that she feels like she has to say that. I hate that that's in there. Yeah, it's kind of like this can happen to a nice girl, see? Right. Like, <laughs> usually uh, those dirty hoes. You know? Uh-huh. And then even Vivian, who, like, obviously, she's kind of vindictive. But even before she gets Johnny fired, you know, there's the whole bungalow bunnies thing. And I feel like mm-hmm. even though Max and the people who are talking shit about her are established bad people... It's still like we're supposed to hate her too. We're supposed right. to think she's a dirty hoe for hitting on Johnny and right. yeah, and like cheating on her husband. <laughs> it's like obvious that they have an arrangement, and it's right. like they're two grown ups. They can do whatever the fuck they want. Right. It sort of like picks and chooses who is sex positivity for. Like, yeah. Right. Yeah. Like it's okay the baby is sex positive because she has that line which I think is really meaningful but like I know we're not in meaningful passages but it's related when she's trying to convince Lisa not to sleep with Robbie and she's like your first time should be with someone you sort of like or whatever she yeah. says I've decided to go all the way with Robbie well, listen no not with someone like him do you think if we came back here for our 10th anniversary it would be free it's, it's just wrong this way it should be with someone it should be with someone that you sort of love. That's kind of interesting, and I can see the logic there, but at the same time, why should it? Like, it doesn't have to be. It should be with someone you feel safe with, but that's, like, about the extent of it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Maybe. Even then, it's, like, whatever should. You should do whatever you want to do with your body. Because <laughs> right. I've seen this movie so many times, I kind of thought, like, well, maybe I don't even need to watch this again, because I know this movie back and forth, but, yeah. like, I was really glad that when I watched it. I felt really kind of sad for Lisa through mm-hmm. this 
care about me. You wouldn't care if I humped the entire army, as long as they were on the right side of the Ho Chi Minh Trail. Not with just with the Robbie part, but with like the dad. Like, yeah, oh, totally. he, like um, she wants his approval so bad, right. and she's like, like, I'm the dumb sister. Right. And she's like, totally he kind dismissed. Of openly favors baby until baby falls out of favor, and it's like, oh, now I like it, Lisa. What you care about is that you're not daddy's girl anymore. He listens when I talk now. You hate that. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, so fucked up. I mean, it just like speaks to how fathers even looked at daughters. Lisa is just going to get married and yeah. have kids and like that's her value. He doesn't seem to even like care about yeah. her at all. And then Baby is this smart do-gooder, which he sort of like sees himself in her yeah. or like projects all these good things about himself in this one daughter. Mm-hmm. How can you win with that? You know, like, there's You're just absolutely right. Right. She's like his protege. But yeah. then like when she disappoints him, he doesn't even know what to do. Yeah. He's like actually pretty misogynistic. Yeah, he yeah. is. Uh, yeah. And the way he like won't tell his wife anything what's going on. I right. fucking hate that. Like I hate Like, she can't handle it. He's like, says at one point, this would kill your mother or something. I was like, really? I don't think it would. Like, I'm pretty sure she could handle it. Yeah, like, Marge is just kept in the dark for important things. Like, it's like... She gets, like, uh, one good moment at the end when she tells him to sit down. Sit down, Jake. And it's kind of like, oh, she knows more than you thought she did. But it's like, why did she get the shaft so much? Uh, and then I hate, like, when Baby wakes him up to, like, go and help Penny. And, like, he's just so grossly paternalistic to Penny. Like, I just can't stand where he's like, yes, I know that hurts. I just hate that. Treat this person like... <laughs> like a grown-up. Like, with I mean, dignity, yeah. you know? Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, not like a child. <laughs> There's, like, some parts where I'm like, oh, he seems like a good dad. But then other times I'm just like, God, this dad sucks. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I guess he was, like, a good dad for the era. <laughs> but right. still not great. Still a lot of room for improvement there. <laughs> yeah. And then that line about, like, what I'm, what I'm wrong is say I'm wrong. Right. Like, End of sentence. Like, okay, are you wrong? I know you could just. <laughs> it's like having yourself on the back for something. I know you weren't the one who got Penny in trouble. Yeah. When I'm wrong, I say I'm wrong. It looks wonderful out there. just because abortion is illegal and he's like well you should have married her and had the baby. I mean I feel like that's a lot of jumps because I mean it's like it seems like he doesn't have any of that towards Penny like oh poor Penny is a girl in trouble. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know. I mean, if that is it, then I feel like that's a lot of leaps. I mean, that's assuming a lot. Like, okay, mm-hmm. obviously Penny wanted to have the baby and marry him, and he sent her to this butcher, and then right. he's, like, called Well, baby even dad. just, like, phrasing it, who is responsible for this girl. Mm-hmm. She's responsible for herself, right? right? She's a fucking woman, A. She's a woman. Right. She's responsible. She made this decision. Right. Uh, not that, like, she deserves what happened to her, but, like, right there, that just says where he's coming from. He's right. like, every woman is a girl, and they have men who are responsible for them. Right, right. That's like, <laughs> right. Like, it's like he takes care of her because it's like, obviously, she was just put in this situation by a man and that anything you know which is like it's just a weird standard to, yeah. you know it is yeah it's 1960s liberalism is still so fucked up <laughs> it's not that liberal. it is like hilarious though i think when robbie like totally blows it at the end when he's like and thanks for helping with that penny situation good luck in medical school so and i wanted to thank you for your help with the penny situation because we've all gotten into messes like these what thought baby told you look i'm not sure i mean penny said so but you know with girls like that they're liable to pin it at any guy around <laughs> so dumb i mean that tracks guy right. that, guy that loves ayn rand <laughs> right. I, know. That's like, I love it but it's like very it's like some people don't matter like read this ayn rand book you know? <laughs> <laughs> that's true that's more than shorthand that's right. just like a right. throw in your face right. <laughs> Schumacher's who stole all the wallets mm-hmm. and he says you don't go around accusing innocent people right. <laughs> like oh wait I don't think really you do just, right, right. <laughs> yeah. maybe Johnny didn't do it anyone could have taken it maybe it was uh, you, you know it could have been that, that little old couple the Schumachers I saw her with a couple of wallets Sylvia and Sydney 
Baby, you don't go around accusing innocent people. Also, the Kellerman song is an earworm that is from hell. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's terrible. Oh, and the fight choreography between Johnny and Robbie is <laughs> bad. <laughs> You're not worth it. Get out of here. You're not worth it. You're not worth it. That's a pretty cliche line, but I remember the first time I heard that being like, what does that mean? You're an asshole who isn't worth getting punched in the face? Right. <laughs> After you punched him in the face already a bunch of times? Like, not worth it ever. <laughs> and yeah, that's what Logan was like, you already did. He does that kind of thing, because there was another thing yeah. earlier. After all this shit happens to Penny, he's like, I'm never going to let anything happen to you. <laughs> right. He's like, uh, too late. You already let a bunch of shit happen to her. <laughs> Plus, I really, I don't know, I always think about that line from Finding Nemo. At the beginning, Marlon's like, I'm never going to let anything happen to you. And then at some point along the way, they're like, that's a weird thing to say to your son. Yeah. <laughs> You're never going to let anything happen to him. You uh, also just don't have that power. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, no, the fight choreography is like, you can see punches not really landing in a couple <laughs> places. I don't know why they botched that so bad. And you didn't even really need it. I mean, you could just... Throw a punch and then say you're not worth it, or like, why have the whole deal? I don't know. <laughs> I think Robbie wanted more screen time or something. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Next call. I want to say something I liked, and Logan really liked this. I do like the friendship between Johnny and Penny. Like, that is yeah. really nice. You hardly, especially in movies in the 80s, but you hardly ever see real opposite sex friendships. Mm -hmm. in movies depicted like that. I do feel like that's pretty remarkable. I mean, some of the dancing, I'm like, how can you dance like that and not fuck? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how does everyone in that room, like, how do all the men not have boners? I like how, like, they show them dancing. I really like the party scene when it's like they're just dancing, like, just for fun. You mm -hmm. know? Yeah. Like, I really like that. Like, they do it for work, but also they just do it to do it. Yeah. Really and they're, that. like, really serious, like, students of dance, too. Right. Like, they have right. all these. I like that Johnny's got all these ideas. I'd like to, uh, shake things up a bit. You know, move with the yeah. times. Yeah. yeah. I got a lot of ideas. The, I've been working with the staff kids on, on, on this, like, cross between this Cuban rhythm and, and this soul dance. Like, goes... Whoa, 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 boy. It's way over your head here. Now, I thought you always do the mambo. Huh? And why not dance this year's final dance to the pachanga? Right. I looked up the thing about the pachanga because I was like, why is he so down on the pachanga? A little wimp. He would know a new idea if it hit him in the pachanga. He wanted some new ideas. I could have told him some new ideas. I didn't know what it was. I looked it up and it was a really popular. Like, he, oh. he's like, we're going to do something new. And then he says something that is very popular and not even that new. It was like a couple years old at that point. And then what Johnny wanted to do was like a fusion kind of thing. He's smart about dancing. He's dumb yeah. about everything else. <laughs> but he's smart about dancing. And he's actually a pretty good teacher, it mm -hmm. seems like. At least yeah. from the, the montage is done right. well where it's like she's convincingly not very good at the beginning and convincingly been taught to dance right. by the end. Right. And I love the scene too of like, you know, that practice montage and she's like dancing by herself on the steps. Yeah. How can be so infectious to do stuff like that? You know? Yeah. I love that. Yeah. yeah. That she's just like really rehearsing. <laughs> yeah. 
She's so cute. I really love her. Yeah, it seems adorable. The number they did at the Shell Drake is the same number they do in the end, and it's like very different music. And mm-hmm. like just seeing how a song can transform the same moves. I just really like that. And he's just such a great dancer. I think anybody dancing with him could look like an amazing dancer yeah. too. I love dance scenes in movies. Like yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they really are. Even though his dancing is also fairly anachronistic. I mean, I guess the idea is that he's like a forward thinking choreographer, but <laughs> he just does some of the craziest, like, and he loves to throw gymnastics moves in there. I don't know if you all knew the fun fact about Patrick Swayze is that he started out as a professional gymnast. I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. wow. <laughs> Oh, I guess I have, like, a Patrick Swayze hot prog, which is just that he was kind of a hothead at IRL, and that scene on the log, he just kept insisting on trying more shit on the log, and actually, like, injured himself a couple times. Oh, wow. It's like, dude, you're a principal actor in this movie. Like, now's not the time to (laughs) do it. But, like, yeah, he loves to do that kind of, I mean, he did all his own stunts in Point Break, too. That's also a little thing in The Outsiders, too. It's like, The Outsiders is so strange. But there was something in the book about how they all learn, like, gymnastics moves, and it's barely in the movie at all, except there is, like, one scene where they're just, like, all headed somewhere, and then, like, a bunch of them are just, like, flipping. (laughs) Yeah. Love doing that, that shit. Was good casting, I guess. Yeah. I get to do gymnastics in this movie. Yeah, totally. Uh, there were a couple of alternative castings. One of them was Billy Zane, oh. but he could not dance. Oh, well, seems kind of important. Yeah, and then Val Kilmer oh, wow. was offered the role but declined. It is interesting. I know. I can see it. I can see it. Like, what else was he doing then? Like, is that when he was, like, real genius, top secret? Yeah, I think so. Interesting. Yeah. I kind of like that. Like, that that was more his vibe, you know? <laughs> yeah. Totally. Rory started underlining meaningful passages in her copy of Mopey Dick, if you know what I mean. Oh, my God. I have so many. I feel like almost every line is iconic. <laughs> <laughs> but I picked a couple deep cuts this time. Put your pickle on everybody's plate, college <laughs> boy, and leave the hard stuff to yes, me. Yes, I love her. That's what I pickle on everybody's plate. You think you can keep that straight, Johnny? What you can, can't lay your hands on? <laughs> you just put your pickle on everybody's plate, college boy, and leave the hard stuff to me. Whoa. <laughs> I just, yeah, and he's like, pushes the napkin down at the end and walks away. <laughs> yeah. I love that. You already knew about Penny and, and Robbie, I guess. Probably, That's why they have the yeah. animosity. A little bit watching this Thursday night was kind of relevant to my <laughs> life in several ways, but uh, when he's like, it takes a real saint to ask daddy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I really like that line. You mean Robbie? No, you were right about him. And what'd you get it? You said you needed it. For real? Yeah, it takes a real saint to ask daddy. Yeah, like he's pretty harsh, but at the same time, he's kind of right about it. Right, I feel like that's fair. I mean, she, a meaningful passage for me in the sense that I really don't like it is when she's mad at him. She's like, I'm doing all this to save your ass. Are you trying to kill me? You gotta concentrate. Is that your idea of fun? Oh, yeah, yes, as a matter of fact, it is. We're supposed to do the show in two days. You won't show me lifts. I'm not sure it turns. I'm doing all this to save your ass. 
What I really want to do is drop you on it. That's like peak white feminism. It's like, it's I'm the real story. So I like that he kind of calls her on this. Like, yeah, that was helpful, but it's just like, you have a rich dad and he gave you money. Mm -hmm. you know? Like, don't act like you're a fucking saint. Pulling this, like, heroic stuff, you know, like. Yeah, that's true. I read, like, it's a great room when she goes to his law. <laughs> yeah, that's really funny. I guess it's not a great room. You probably got a great but I feel like she really means it too because like <laughs> she's kind of romanticizing his life a little bit yeah where she's like I'd love to have a sparse loft right, right. <laughs> and like when she says that to Penny like, oh, oh yeah I envy you. you so you're really a racket I think you're a wonderful dancer yeah well my mother kicked me out when I was 16 I've been dancing ever since it's the only thing I ever wanted to do anyway I envy you yeah. Fuck you. I got yeah. kicked out of my house and had to do this to survive. Yeah. Like, that's a yeah. thing. People yeah. exercise poverty in a lot of ways. Absolutely. It's like that common people yeah. Or song. song. Yeah. It's just like that. Yeah. I mean, but she she's like, well, it's different coming from me because, like, I want to also help, but right. it's like, well, it's not that different. Definitely get the sense that she's not had a lot of serious problems in her life. Yeah. <laughs> thus far. Definitely not. I know, I wonder what ever happened with that Peace Corps thing, because, like, the Peace Corps can be a real <laughs> rude awakening for some, some yeah. people. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, yeah, it should be with someone that you sort of love. <laughs> I love how Lisa's like, well, it's a couple of different times. She's like, I've decided that tonight's the night with Robbie. Yeah. He doesn't even know it yet. Oh, <laughs> I really like, just, it's more the line reading than the line, but when she's like, but Daddy, I was going to sing the show. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to sing the show. No, we're leaving tomorrow, Mr. Weekend Traffic. But Jake, we're paid up till Sunday. Daddy, I missed the show. I said we're leaving tomorrow. But Daddy, I was gonna sing in the show. I love like the way she <laughs> says it was so strange. I love like I love, Lisa. I love the where is my beige iridescent lipstick? Where is my beige iridescent lipstick? <laughs> and then like in the beginning she's talking about I should have brought those shoes and, and Marge is like, Well sweetheart, you brought ten pairs. <laughs> I always love that. Yeah, her relationship with her mom is funny. I'm so sick of this rain. Remind me not to take my honeymoon at Niagara Falls. So you go to Acapulco. It'll be fine. So you go to Acapulco. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I do really love the callback where they've already like had sex a couple times and they're just kind of fucking around and dancing and so she's like, you know, this is my dance phase. This is, you know, she's calling back. Oh, yeah. yeah. Hey, my frame, where's my pleasing art? Spaghetti arms, would you give me some tension, please? You're invading my dance space. This is my dance space, that's yours. Let's cha-cha. That was cute. You told me everyone was alike, but you meant everyone like you. Oh, Very yeah. Meaningful. You told me everyone was alike and deserved a fair break, but you meant everyone who was like you. You told me you wanted me to change the world, make it better. You meant by becoming a lawyer or an economist and marrying someone from Harvard? I always felt like that was such a great moment between both those two actors and the two characters on the dock. Yeah. <laughs> it's really well acted. And it really seems like it's in a different movie than the first movie. <laughs> yeah, that's a great scene. It's like she's confused. 
confronting him and it's not like so much about I don't know it's like well she's apologizing but like she's, she's like but also you need to apologize like she's like we owe each other apologies and she's like not backing down on that at all yeah yeah I like that a lot but he and doesn't like, apologize he just sits there he never apologizes he <laughs> says he would if he meant it basically he's like when I need to apologize I do there you go <laughs> And I really like that moment between Lisa and Baby on the bed. Baby? How do you hear? You could look pretty. Your way. They spend the whole movie fighting and they're very different people, but I really love that moment with the two of them just together, kind of comforting each other quietly. Yeah, I like that a lot. I liked their yeah. relationship. It was, it was just very sisterly. Yeah, yeah, it really is. And then they're like little breakup conversation, I'll never be sorry, neither will I. I thought that was very nuanced for a movie that spells a lot of shit out. Yeah. <laughs> pretty yeah. blatantly. I really like that too. That's like the ultimate... The ultimate nice breakup. <laughs> it's been a pleasure. <laughs> I wrote this Danish is pure protein. This Danish is pure protein. Uh, Mr. Kellerman, look. I guess I never noticed that line before. It's like something that Max says. It can't possibly be true. <laughs> no. Nut flour in this Danish. What did they think protein was? <laughs> is it because of the cheese? The, uh, yeah, this one's pure protein. Pure protein. No flour, no sugar. The end where he's like talking to like the band leader. We've seen a lot of things over the years. Oh my or whatever. God. You and me, Tito, we've seen it all, huh? Baba and Zeta serving the first pasteurized milk to the borders. Through the war years when we didn't have any meat, through the depression when we didn't have anything. Lots of changes, though, Max. Lots of changes. It's not the changes so much this time, Tito. It's, it's that it all seems to be ending. You think kids want to come with their parents to take foxtrot lessons? Trips to Europe, that's what the kids want. 22 countries in three days. Feels like it's all slipping away. It seems like at the very end of like this era where like families want to go <laughs> to summer camp for a whole summer together, like that's mm -hmm. just not something people do anymore. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, well, it's, it's not just that. It's because it's you know for rich people. Yeah, it's, it's like for rich. a thing for rich people to do. So he's basically like lamenting that younger people want to spend their money in more responsible ways. Right? Yeah, they want to go to <laughs> Europe or whatever. Yeah. Oh yeah, he says I wrote. I did write that don't line down because it was like ridiculous. He says twenty two countries in three days. Oh my god! I'm like what? <laughs> that's not what's happening. <laughs> Did you mean three countries in 22? Maybe. <laughs> yeah, he's just like the ultimate businessman, I guess. Like, just thinking of the angle, like... Do we have sheet music for this? Like, yeah. let's pull Although this. Although, talking to that band leader like they're partners. Right, it's yeah. Like, they're very not. obvious. Their dynamic is like, I'm your boss and you have to agree with me. Right, yeah. <laughs> but he's like, we've been through, through a lot together. And the guy's like, yeah. And then he's like, <laughs> he never really answers him. I love that guy. He's like, he's like a lot of changes. A lot of changes. <laughs> I know. I'll just be over here enjoying myself. The idea of going with your whole family to like do summer camp and take a class on 
wearing wigs or something and like oh my god I just that was such a you're right that was a hot problem I had like, but it's like possibly a real thing that happened but I was just like what an activity yeah like <laughs> this is a summer like wow <laughs> it's like trying wigs by the lake I know it's just like and Penny has to teach the wig class I guess they have to dance and then she has to teach a wig class but yeah, yeah. They're, they're like entertaining but they also have to teach something this is there's a lot there's so many expectations on the entertainment staff and like how he's telling Max is isn't that Max Kellerman he's telling the waiters it's your job to fuck the people and right. then he tells the dancers right. it's your job not to fuck them right yeah. right but yeah. it's your, it's, i guess he's like it's your job to pretend like you're going to but then not really do it and then he tells right. the waiters like it's your job to actually do it you waiters are all college guys and i went to harvard and yale to hire you and why did i do that i shouldn't have to remind you this is a family place that means you keep your fingers out of the water your hair out of the soup and show the goddamn daughters a good time all the daughters, even the dogs. Schlep them out to the terrace, show them the stars, romance them any way you want. Got that, guys? The thing to do. Hey, hold it! Hold it. Well, if it isn't the entertainment staff. Listen, wise ass, you got your own rules. Dance with the daughters, teach them the mambo, the cha cha, anything they pay for. But that's it, that's where it ends. No funny business, no conversations, and keep your hands off! What a weird plan. (laughs) All of the waiters are Ivy League students, and it's like a pipeline to marry up these rich kids or something. And And if they're going going to Ivy League schools, they already are rich. Like, the wee poor is going to Ivy League schools, like, really. Right, yeah. Right. I mean, I guess they're trying to make connections. I feel like it's kind of spelled out with, like, Robbie and... Sure, yeah. They probably don't really need a summer job, but it's like, okay, this is... Yeah, it's like a connections thing, Mm -hmm. or, like, all these rich families knowing each other and all that. There must have been truth to that dynamic. Yeah. Right. So it's it's good for that. I know a lot about New York stuff. Rich people going to the Hamptons. Mm -hmm. People just live at the Hamptons all summer or Yeah, or like Montana. And they're like going to the Catskills or Mm -hmm. whatever. And then sometimes like the dad just commutes on weekends. Like the dad's working for the summer. Right. Like Vivian's husband. (laughs) Right. There's a movie with Diane Lane that's that dynamic, I forget. Walk on the Moon or something. Does anyone remember that movie? Mm-hmm. I don't know why that's the one sticking out. But anyway, <laughs> that was a thing, you know. It's always been my dream to have a whole summer at the Jersey Shore, or at least a month. We would go for a week when I was a kid, and there would be families who were, like, there for the whole summer, and the dad was just there for the weekends. Life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's another show I started watching. Well, it's called The Affair, but it's like... Oh. Yes. <laughs> the Hamptons, and it's the same That's kind of Montauk. Thing. That's not the Hamptons, or is it? Oh, no, that's I didn't think about it. Yeah. That's different. Oh, okay. It's the like same general thing. It's, it's just similar so vibe. Yeah, it's oh. like a place where there's, like, townies there all year long, and then the rich people come in the summer, and the townies have to, like, cater to them, and yeah, the dynamic is very <laughs> incongruous. Yeah, the affair is, like, a band. I have, like, a 
I, I love hate relationship with that one. I didn't ever finish it. Yeah, I watched the first season. I think the first season was the best. It didn't really get any better after that. It does have pretty Nick. peacock Joshua Jackson. Oh my god. Oh he's yeah, so he hot. Is. I do. And he's the brooding bearded guy. Oh yes, give me that. Yeah. <laughs> I like McNulty for I just call him McNulty. I don't know what his name is. Oh, From um, the wire. Yeah. He's the main Damien something. Dominic. Oh Dominic. Something. Dominic. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. He's a guy who when he yells, like his accent comes out. He's like does yeah. a pretty good American accent unless he's yelling and then it's like, yeah. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. yeah. It's the funny thing about that, that's the that's like a Rashomon style show. Like the idea is like each episode is one half of the events played out through one person's perspective and then the events again through another person's perspective and I'd love how in his version, he's still kind of an asshole. <laughs> like, he's really an asshole through her version, but through his version, he's still a dick. Nice. And then also, like, how she's always dressed sexier in his version. Oh. That's something I noticed, yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah I did not notice that. I they did yeah. a lot of that in the first season. They kind of got away from it more in the second, later on. But I really <laughs> love that. She's, like, a really, like, a sexy sex kitten in his version. And in her version, she's, like, a fucked up grieving <laughs> And she's usually wearing, like, flowier outfits, like, more bohemian look. Mm. Anyway, yeah, that's way off top. <laughs> what else does a suicide need, huh? Now, if you'll excuse me. Fun fact, feel like we would be remiss not to mention that Jennifer Grey was engaged to Matthew Broderick at this time, oh. and they were in a car crash where he killed somebody. <laughs> Yeah. What? In Ireland. Matthew Broderick yeah. killed the guy. Yeah. And cool. she suffered whiplash and had like a vertebrae damage. Holy shit. Yeah. She's married to that hottie bald guy though. Uh, Clark Gregg. Oh, they did. Yeah. Oh, I like that guy. <laughs> yeah, he liked that guy. That's Clark Gregg. Yes. Well, Penny was married to Richard Marks. For many years. Oh wow! Yeah. That's, That's my fun fact. <laughs> the log stunt thing. Patrick Swayze had to have fluid drained from his knee from falling off the log. Jeez. Like a moron. I always love the part where like he jumps on the log and he like has trouble keeping balance, and then she does this like ghost sounding thing. She's like, "Ooh." <laughs> now, the most important thing to remember in lifts is balance. I don't know, I just always loved that. Like, it was just so funny. <laughs> they filmed it in North Carolina. Yes. Partly in North Carolina and partly in Virginia. Oh, apparently it rained a shit ton because it was off season too. <laughs> Which sucks. And they were very cold a lot of the time. I hate that. I hate, I hate that, that for actors so yeah. much. Yeah. Oh, and they had to be in the lake. Yes. And that apparently, sucks. like, the reason there aren't any close-ups of their faces in that shot is because their lips were blue. Oh, my God. Because they were so cold. And, like, you can really feel it when he throws her as she lands. She's just like, ah! Good. No, no, don't. <laughs> <laughs> Not too bad. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so that cool. was awful. I know I hate that. 
it. I hate that. Why can't you just like pay a lot of money to use it when it's warm or yeah. shoot somewhere? I don't know. It's so annoying that like actors are expected to do that kind of extreme stuff. Yeah. But they do it for the craft. I guess one more fun fact is that Patrick Swayze hated the line, nobody puts baby in a corner. I mean, fair. It's, yeah. It's kind of cringe. Nobody puts baby in a corner. So it's fun to watch him like struggle through it. Probably in the top five ways he's remembered. Yeah, and people probably said it to him all the time. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's not a great line. But I feel like it tracks for Johnny to just be like yeah, a dummy. Johnny is so cringe. <laughs> <laughs> he's a big cheesy dum dum. So this is what's called a lunchtime poll. So, the lunchtime poll, which was <laughs> written by Logan Green, which is a great one, I think. So, what was a pivotal moment in your radicalization, I guess, is what we'll say. Okay. Yeah. I'll go first. Just oh, okay. I feel like I've had so many, but the one that is standing out, something that happened that made you realize you had to look at things differently, or that things weren't as black and white as you thought, mm-hmm. you know? This is like a very Seattle-centric story, but mm-hmm. a couple years ago, when there were all those allegations about Dave Minard, who's a guy that owns a bunch of places in Seattle, so people were boycotting the places that he owned like Lost Lake and then somebody who worked at Lost Lake put an editorial or something in The Stranger saying this boycott of Lost Lake is really not hurting Dave Minard at all. Like Dave Minard was super rich he was going to stay super rich you know and she's mm-hmm. like so now all the like well-intentioned people aren't here so people who are working here are making so much less money and you know like yes you can right. be looking for another job but you know I feel like some of these people are like well then just quit and that's not a simple thing okay just change jobs that also she said we're doing so much less business but the people that are coming are kind of like the assholes you know that are like they're coming to make a point to show their support for dave minard Mm -hmm. you know what i mean so it's like thanks for boycotting last night guys for me i was like you know i don't really know like what is the right thing to do because like I don't mm-hmm. want to go to Lost Lake I don't want to yeah. go to one of Dave Minard's businesses but then it's like well who is that helping like is yeah. that a performative allyship type of thing you feel better that you're boycotting this guy's businesses because he's a bad guy and then it's like well who did that really affect who did it help who did it hurt yeah you have to really <laughs> think yeah. about your protests a little bit more right yeah and that sort of speaks to a more general thing of like what does it mean to be an ally or just like how much of what you do is just performative you know mm-hmm. and which i will cop to a lot of what i do is limited to performance you know it's hard it. to know yeah it's really hard to actually enact real change like you actually have yeah, to put your body makes... on the line to do it that's too much for some people, or for a lot of people, and it's understandable too, because it's like YOLO, <laughs> in the sense that you gotta choose what you're gonna do with your life, but yeah, there's a lot of considerations. Yeah, like how do you, you what do we do? <laughs> yeah, right. that's kind of how it feels. And then also, you know, at the end it's like, when was the last time I had gone to Lost Lake before that? It had probably been years. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. sometimes like you boycott something that you have never gone to or never were right. going to anyway. And something you can say that as a joke, like I remember Gucci did something, and I'm like, well, I am now boycotting Gucci. Like, right. <laughs> I wasn't shopping there. Like I'm boycotting Tesla, maybe, you know what I mean? Like stuff that you weren't, you mm-hmm. know, you want to express mm-hmm. yourself with your dollars and it's like, I wasn't putting my dollars there anyway, you know. Or stuff like boycotting Walmart when there's like not a Walmart around. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, yeah. Well, mine's about, after college, I moved back to Gainesville and I worked for the College of Public Health I was a research assistant on kidney cancer research study and part of the job or most of the job was driving around 
Florida and Georgia interviewing cases and controls and we would pay people $20 for their time and we went to a lot of homes that the conditions people were living in were just so hard and a lot of the people they worked at Walmart and that was the first time where I really got a you know I'm sitting in their homes and talking with them about their lives and learning how hard their lives are and and I never really had thought even though you have a job you can still I guess that concept was I was just out of college it really woke me up a lot and learning how the system we live in in this country doesn't really just how many people are struggling I think that radicalized me I just remember when, uh, so I grew up in Richmond, Virginia, but I kind of lived in like a suburb of Richmond and, but my school was near downtown and everywhere we hung out was kind of near downtown. But the word was there were like these three blocks in this certain part of downtown that were safe to be in. And then everywhere around that, apart from the university, was dangerous. And I just remember walking around a little bit outside of that border of the three blocks where like all the punk rock clubs and coffee shops were and just noticing it didn't seem that dangerous, but it did seem like a place that was full of brown people. (laughs) (laughs) And just kind of dawning on me like, oh, these are people living their lives and they're just shopping and they're just eating and whatever. Like there's nothing dangerous going on here. It's like just, (laughs) this is where the black people are, (laughs) and I'm just kind of realizing, like, oh, when people say dangerous, that's a code. Yeah. That really changed my perspective, and also the backdrop of that being that it was, like, near Monument Avenue, which was where all the Confederate monuments were. Oh, they tore down that. They did finally tear down the Robert E. Lee statue, yes, and that was in, like, the dangerous part of town. (laughs) And it was so wonderful how over like the last year basically, or two years even maybe almost, that statue got covered in BLM graffiti and ACAB graffiti and there was like a beautiful portrait of George Floyd at one point on there and like it just kept getting layers and layers of just awesome radical graffiti before they finally took it down like a week ago. They left the pedestal up though, which is really cool because the pedestal has all the art on it. And so I I hope they leave the pedestal up for a while or like let someone put a permanent mural on or something. But like, yeah, that was just something that I noticed and I was like maybe 16 or 17 and I was like, ah, I get it. (laughs) We had a statue downtown. It was a Confederate soldier. It got torn down, but it was crazy. Like how many of these things all over. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I want to remind people. Yeah. The other thing that I thought of was just like how in the suburb that I lived, it was like kind of more dangerous. I mean, just from a, a rural standpoint, it's just amazing how fast it got rural <laughs> in that suburb area. And everyone there was like white rednecks with guns. And right. I, like, I actually felt way more unsafe. Yeah. Like walking around my church, you know, because I would like ditch church and go for a little walk. <laughs> but then I would be like, I'd see all these rednecks like cleaning their guns on porches. And I was like, this is way fucking scarier. Right. <laughs> oh, yeah. Being around dr- a lot of drunk rednecks as a child, I was very scared. Yeah. <laughs> and they would like yell at me too. Sometimes they'd be like, hey, girl. And I'd be like, bah! <laughs> Versus the dangerous parts of downtown where people are just minding their own fucking business. We would go to the Springs like almost every weekend. Like my my dad, it was all all about that. So we did that like every weekend. But lots of drunk rednecks. 
sucks around there. Yeah. <laughs> very loud and very drunk. The one time our family we went on a houseboat, like down the Swanee River, just for like a few nights. Rednecks cut our mooring line and our boat just like floated all night. Oh my god. Yeah, my dad and my uncle stayed up all night because they were just like scared like what's gonna happen. <laughs> it was like a deliverance. Anyways. Yikes. Florida memories. Oh my god. <laughs> wow. Greetings from sunny Florida. How very. Greetings and salutations. So I was gonna do North Carolina because we hadn't done that yet and because Dirty Dancing was filmed in part in North Carolina. Oh, nice. Hey North Carolina. Hey. You're pretty cool in parts yeah. <laughs> that I've been to, but there are some scary rednecks in North Carolina, but there are also some cool places. Yeah. <laughs> I have a sister in Durham. I don't think she listens. Oh, I didn't know that. My brother lives around there. I was born in Raleigh. I have like these special memories of like my mom and her friends like in North Carolina, like they would like shag and stuff. Like the, have you heard? It's like a dance. The 60s okay, I think shag. I, I, think I, I don't know. That. But, like, Are you I talking just... about the movie shag or just the dance? No, it's a dance. Yeah. They would go... But um, yeah, like that movie. Yeah, well, it was like that. Well, yeah, it was just kind of like the dirty dancing. Like, she and her friends all love dancing. and I feel like people don't dance now. <laughs> or do they? People dance. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, know, I definitely like, think the pandemic put a damper on it. But right. before the pandemic, I'd go with my friend Erin. Did you ever go with us to no, Hot Flush? Oh my god, that was so fun. There was this night for middle-aged ladies at Neighbors called Hot Flash. Oh, and it started cool. at six, It was so from early, 6 right? to 9 p.m. Yeah. <laughs> it was perfect. And it was basically older songs mashed up with newer songs so that we could feel like we would hear things be <laughs> new. And, and then there'd be like these hot go-go dancing lady, like young ladies on pedestals. <laughs> for us. Awesome. I mean, it was mainly for lesbians, but you know, anyone could go. That's <laughs> but, awesome. That was great. And then at 9 p.m. I'd be like, all right, let's go to bed. <laughs> we could have a nice dinner at 5. It was so great. I was like, this is my speed right now. <laughs> so I hope they start doing that again. Uh, dancing's fun. Yeah. yeah. I like going dancing, even though I'm very bad at it. <laughs> it's just, it's fun to fuck around with your friends. And... Yeah. Well, North Carolina, I see, I've been to Raleigh and I've been to Chapel Hill. Oh, Chapel Hill's um, nice. Yeah. I lived there for a little bit. Yeah, after college. You can do a lot of places. Yeah. I worked for a, a printing company in the Triangle, and I lived in Chapel Hill. It's a cool college town. Yeah. And, like, there's a town, Carborough, next to it, which is really fun. It's, like, a cool, like, art community, and, I mean, it's southern, but there's a lot of cool people there. There's some, like, good pockets in the south. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There the have whole, to be. Triangle is pretty cool. Yeah, I like that area. My mom's friends live there, mainly. On the season six finale of Paid in Puke, we're shitty, shitty, shitty-ing all over Bradley Cooper's 2018 allegedly romantic drama-rama, A Star is Born, starring Lady Gaga, and that's all. If you enjoyed this episode of Paid in Puke, please take a minute to rate us highly on your preferred podcast listening apparatus. If you did not enjoy this episode, no further action is necessary. Paid in Puke is hosted by Annie Malone, Christina Barr, and Jessica Baxter. Music by Silent Partner. Follow us on Twitter at Paid in Puke Pod, 
on Instagram at Paid in Puke Seattle and on Facebook at Paid in Puke Podcast. Thanks for listening. Lick it up, baby. Lick it up.